0: Today's episode is brought to you by Captain Morgan, the official captain of Against All Odds. We're raising our glasses, our mugs, our steins of Captain Morgan and Ginger to all you captains out there. Whether you're a tugboat captain, captain of your intramural dodgeball team, or just live to have fun, like me, you're all captains in our book. No matter how you choose to live like a captain, Captain Morgan reminds you to please drink responsibly. I'm saying please. Captain's orders. And we're also brought to you by Hotel Tonight. If you're like me and you're not so great at planning ahead, you have to try Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight is an app that helps you find amazing hotel deals at the last minute, up to seven days in advance. It's perfect for a spontaneous getaway or indulging in a little staycation. I made that word up. All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe. Fat thumbs like mine take a little longer, but still, not bad. So what are you waiting for? Get in on these killer last-minute deals and download the Hotel Tonight app now. Welcome to Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. We are only three weeks away from football. Not true. Still like 55 days or something. But listen, we're getting there. And we have a big show for you today. Poker legend Phil Hellmuth will be joining me. I'm a huge fan of the Poker Brat. We're going to talk World Series of Poker. Main event starts up this week. Phil is 125 to 1 odds to win this thing. 14 bracelets. Jump on that. But before Phil, we have the gurus of gambling, the wizards of wagering, the degenerate trifecta, my buddies, Harry the horse, brother Brian, the parlay kid. What's happening, guys?
1: Hey, Sal. Hey, Sal. What's happening?
0: What's going on, buddy? The Degenerate Trifecta and I were traveling to Dallas this weekend for the National Fantasy Football Convention. It features over 100 players and personalities. Our buddy Andy is running this thing. Hold on. He sent me a text of how to uh, promote this. Andy says that there are training sessions with fantasy football's top experts giving you tips and information you won't find anywhere else. You'll not only get to meet and greet current and former NFL players – you will have the chance to throw and catch some passes with them on an interactive indoor field. Michael Vick, Matthew Berry will be co-hosting the Fantasy Football Hall of Fame induction. And five lucky fans will do a live draft with five NFL players on the main stage for the Ultimate Fantasy League draft. So that's going to be a lot of fun. That's in Fair Park in Dallas, July 14th to the 16th. The parlay kid and I will be there. His kids, his family, brother Bry will be there. Harry, are you going to join us? I might have to now. Uh, that sounds like a
1: heck of a time, and uh, I'm going to look into it. Absolutely.
0: What an endorsement! You heard right there from Harry. He's going to be there at Fair Park. <laughs> <laughs> Darren, you bringing the whole family, right?
2: Everybody's coming, Sal. Right. They can't wait. They can't wait.
0: Brother Brian, the girl, the girls aren't up for this, or are you taking them? Who's...
3: Yeah, no, I'm bringing. I'm bringing Excellent. the girls. Yeah, we'll oh. see how much they uh, love football, oh. but uh, they'll they'll enjoy it.
0: This is going to be fun, and you can see us come say hi and. Um, yeah, and then leave us alone if you're out there. Now I find I find people are very nice at these things, and uh, and then they and then they rub in an insult. They try they find a way to do it. They like I'll I'll hear something like, uh, "Hey, cousin Sal, I love the podcast." Like, thanks. Hey, you know you're about four inches shorter and thirty pounds heavier than your voice sounds. Like, great. <laughs> so that's it I, I really like after the first compliment i should get in a hussein bolt uh, sprint position and just head off just just go because it, it only yeah. it only gets worse after that but uh the, the general challenge well, tri- is, is, is yeah. there
2: anything uh is there anything more uh satisfying than seeing your kid win a fantasy football league though
0: right? no it, it is when pretty your kid's good.
2: doing fantasy football. It's, Isn't that, you're so proud,
0: right, when that happens? It's it's pathetic and you're proud at the same time. Yeah, but it is it is great. I think our kids were in the finals against each other in a league they did like on uh, Yahoo or ESPN or something, and it was very it was very exciting for a while. But yeah, it's gonna be fun. I think That's I'm right. in like I'm in this uh, celebrity fantasy thing in Dallas, and I think the winner gets Pizza Hut for life or something. That's what cousin Andy uh, <laughs> promised me. But so yeah, so. <laughs> I mean that's that's like a two million dollar cash value for me if you know how much I eat. But anyway, let's. Uh, well, I hear Captain Morgan's Make Believe Riverboat Casino coming in, and we, we're gonna have to get on board. This is where the degenerate trifecta and I set sail. We tackle make believe gambling propositions related to sports and pop culture events. And let's go to the first one. O.J. Simpson could be granted parole at the end of the month, and there's a possibility he'll be released in October. Everyone's saying that this is going to happen. I'm putting the odds at even that O.J. Simpson is seen golfing with any of the following by the end of the calendar year. Cato Kalin, Tiger Woods, Billy Bush, Marcus Allen, Colin Kaepernick, Bill Cosby, or President Donald Trump. Harry the Horse, what are you saying? Even odds that he's seen with any of those. Well,
1: I may have to just go with Colin Kaepernick because... You
0: don't have to doesn't. pick one. You just have to say will at any of those seven or however many I just named. So you say yes. I'd say yes. Yeah. Wow.
1: Kaepernick doesn't have a job, so you know.
0: Uh, right. Sure. <laughs> so I'm right. saying yes. Tiger Woods doesn't have a job. Billy Bush doesn't have a job. <laughs> All right, mm-hmm. brother Brian, what do you think?
3: Uh, does he have to be like? Does he have to be paired with these guys? Actually, golfing with them, or they could just be at the golf course at the same time.
4: Oh, I mean, interesting!
3: Totally, I'm sure he's going to be. I'm sure he's going to be golfing all the time. and There'll be another celebrity there. I, um, I'm looking more in terms did, of. You, will
0: there be a picture taken with the, with these two on the golf course, or with with, with OJ and any of these?
3: Uh, uh, I'll go no on this one. You did. You mentioned Bill Cosby, right? As yeah. one of these? Yes, definitely. Mm. I, I would love to see a blind Bill Cosby golfing, though, wouldn't you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, that'd um, be great.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll, I'll say no with this, but they do actually really have um, OJ Simpson granted parole in 2017. As uh, a yes is minus 350, no is plus 225. that's, uh, well, you know, that's actually a real thing. We guys. should
0: put nice. that. We should bet that because I think it's gonna happen and it'd be a fun thing to definitely to lose on. Uh, you
3: know, to add it to. <laughs> I, to I know to, they're say, they're saying OJ is a model prisoner, guys. Of model course,
0: prisoner. of course, he's the best. <laughs> I mean, it is so hard to search for uh, the killer, the real killers, when you're confined to, like an eight by ten jail jail cell. It's terrible. Uh, Parley Kid, what are you thinking for this?
2: Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say, all right, because it, the name wasn't on the list. I think he's gonna be golfing with Cuba Gooding Jr.
0: Oh, I should have added that. Make Cuba. sense? Mm-hmm. Yes, I should have mm-hmm. added all Right? Him.
2: Can you see that happening? I could see them getting together, golfing. Uh, I could see that. So if you put him on the list, I'm gonna I would say yes uh I, I would take that bet if he's not on the list i'm gonna say no so we're gonna put him on the list now
0: uh, well you know what i don't have the. i can't but, make the decision i have to check with captain morgan himself and he he uh takes okay, care so of the let's log.
2: say he's not on the list so i'm yeah. gonna say no but mm-hmm. we're gonna see him golfing with cuba gooding jr all know? right so that's the come, first come.
0: that's the first big name he will golf with before the end of the year uh I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no. I know it's my own stupid, prop, but I don't think it's gonna be fashionable to golf with OJ until like uh, March of next year. So I think uh, he'll be released in October, and then we'll see him in March with Kanye and his goddaughter uh, Kim and all of them. But uh, make no mistake about it, there's gonna be some great pictures out there with OJ golfing and brother Briagri, OJ and Bill Cosby. That's that's the. I mean, what 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 would a signed OJ and Bill Cosby picture fetch? Nowadays, Harry, what do you think? Wow,
1: uh, that's priceless. Um,
0: three
1: thousand. Okay, <laughs> I mean, honestly,
0: maybe it's not so priceless. All right, three thousand dollars. No, I, I, think, I think it would be great. all right. Let's go to the second one here. Uh, John McEnroe said that Serena Williams would be ranked 700th in the world if she played on the men's circuit. Uh, he's taking a lot of crap for it. I kind of feel bad for him because he didn't go out. He, he didn't uh, organize a press conference just to make this statement. He was asked the question, How would she fare against the men? How, is she, and he actually said, Oh, she's the best in the world. And the, and the reporter's like, Well, what about men against men too? He's like, Oh, no, absolutely not. If she's on the circuit. She'd be 700th uh, if she's in the men's circuit. Three set match, over under four and a half games. The under is minus one fifty five. How many games does Serena win against men's top ranked player Andy Murray, currently number one in the world? Darren, parlay kid, what do you say?
2: Oof. Sal, I know a, I know a guy who's uh, he's a tennis expert, mm-hmm. uh, and we've discussed this before, and um, I think that he 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 seems to think that Macaron was actually being generous when he said. Hmm. Uh, Arena would be ranked 700th in the world. I don't really know. Uh, uh, I'm not really a tennis expert when it comes to that, mm-hmm. but according to him, and he, he plays a lot of tennis, uh, he thinks actually is being generous by saying that she'd be ranked 700th. Uh, so I would have to say, Sal, in this, I'm taking uh, the under four and a half games uh, against Andy Murray's number one. Uh, I, I just don't see... I, I, I think I just have to go with... the. Uh, People know a little bit more than me about about tennis, mm-hmm. and to say that I don't think she can compete with the number one person at all uh, at any time. So, right. so no. So you especially saying... while she's pregnant right now?
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, we should probably have to wait to have the baby. But are you saying like six one six two is, is maybe uh, you would go under four and a half games one?
2: Yeah, I think I'm thinking uh, six one at best. All right. Right for each for each that yeah six one six one. Okay. Six two say, let's say. I think that's going on.
0: Gotcha. All right. Uh, Harry, you're breathing very heavily into the microphone. Let's ask you next.
1: I'm going with the under two. I think uh, McEnroe's taking a, uh, a hit on this when he shouldn't. I thought he was being very uh, complimentary to her and being and telling her that she's really good at the win, the best in the, win, in the women's side. But yet uh, she, a, a few years ago, was on Letterman, and she admitted herself that if she were to play uh, men in... In a real match, that she would lose six zero six zero, she said it herself.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to go with the under. All right, okay, brother Brian, what do you say? Over under four and a half games.
3: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the under as well. I mean, I don't I don't know if McEnroe really needed to say anything, but uh, I, there's no way she could break uh, Murray's serve. That's for sure. The one thing I will say is at least her serve is probably. I think she averages she's around maybe her high is about 120 miles an hour, and that's on par with like some of these good average tennis players. So mm-hmm. there's a possibility she could serve a few aces and then maybe Murray has a couple unforced errors, which which is gonna happen regardless, even if he was playing against me. Right. So I would definitely say there's you know, she would probably win maybe three to four four games or probably, like you guys said, like 6-1, 6-0, 6-2. That sounds about right. Right
0: so. in there. All right, so you're going under. So, yeah, that's interesting. It's like – so. I, I think what you're saying, like, if if we didn't have Serena, if we had the number 2, if we had, like, Halep or whatever her name is, that then, then it's 6-0, 6-0. Serena actually has a serve that's hit 128. Now, Murray has hit 140 many, many times on his serve, and he runs a lot. And for that reason, I I would say under. I just think it's a different game. Nothing against Serena, but that's just how it is. I'm saying under, I'm saying 6 1, 6 love. Uh, and she's out of there in straight sets. Let's bring Tate on because he's been he's been he's looked into this and he's been wanting to talk about this. Our producer, Tate Frazier. That's Tate, not true. No. Oh, yeah, that's right. I asked him for help. Tate, Tate, what do you think of this?
5: I uh, I just told you I had a friend uh, that played tennis at, at Carolina, wasn't even on the team. He went to IMG Academy in Florida with uh-huh. Maria Sharapova. Good friends with Sharapova, and he said that he played her every day after practice, and she, he was like, I beat her, love, every single time. She would never score a point on me. Wow. So I took that as him not even being able to play college tennis and being able to beat Maria Sharapova that bad. Not to say that Serena is anything like Maria Sharapova, but just... When he told me that, I mean, I thought he was bullshitting, but uh yeah. you know, he pretty much he made he made the point and it always stuck with me because when I watch the women's I, I feel like the game it looks the exact same, right? But mm-hmm. he basically just said that they that the serve was something they're not used to returning, so that's why uh, right. it, it works out that way. And
0: what is his friend's name, Tate?
5: <laughs> yeah, he'll kill me if I say that. But he's in South Africa. It's all right. You won't he be is? Able to, yeah, you won't be able to track him down.
0: He's in hiding. Yeah, all right. he's he, fine. He's, he, fine.
5: he's he, fine. He has no idea what's going on with any of this.
0: He knew you would sell him out. All right, thanks, Tate. Well, there you go. That's uh, Hey, Sal, so
5: an- would McEnroe beat Serena Williams? If right? they played, if this
2: was the Billie Jean King-Bobby Riggs matchup, would McEnroe beat Serena Williams? You're saying right I think now. Maybe he should put his money where his mouth doesn't
0: play. Yeah, I think that's what little
2: charity event.
0: What's coming up next? I, it's not fair. I think he would kill him, and you know, in the in the late '80s or mid '80s. But that's uh, interesting. I don't know. Right now, are you saying pregnant Serena against uh, 65-year-old McEnroe, or we're we gonna we're gonna wait? <laughs> (laughs) Wait till McEnroe gets to see Yeah, just
2: wait. But I think doesn't he still play a little bit, like on some like you know senior tour level, probably against some pretty good competition? He said he plays against. I'd be interested to see that.
5: Yeah, he said he plays against Andy Roddick every week. He plays Roddick every week. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I heard he's in hiding in
0: South Africa. I heard he wants nothing at all to do with this.
5: (laughs) He's changed his name.
0: That's right. (laughs) All right, fellas. Well, thank you. I have uh, Phil Hellmuth coming up. We're going to talk poker, and stay tuned for that. All right, we're back on Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. You know, growing up, I always pulled for the bad guy, the heel, if you will. As a teenager, I was infatuated with Rowdy Roddy Piper. Before that, I found J.R. Ewing compelling. Before him, I rooted for the Riddler to rule Gotham City. So when I familiarized myself with the poker brat, I became giddy, and I'm even giddier to have him on my podcast. Please welcome in what I hope is the first of many appearances on Against the Odds, 14-time World Series of Poker bracelet winner, Phil Hellmuth. What's happening, Phil?
6: Life is good. It's uh it's prime season right now. World Series of Poker is on.
0: And how ha- how does it feel now like you said the main event begins this week? Uh the World Series of Poker tournament has been going all month. How would you feel heading into the main event?
6: This year it's uh this year it's on ESPN every day. So it's going to be literally 12 straight days of poker. So, you know, all you can do is get yourself, you know, where you're ready to play. You know, the one thing that the one thing for me that I forgot is that I've won all my bracelets when I'm exhausted. (laughs) And I was trying to take some days off and rest. And I played like crap. (laughs) I was like, okay, if you're going to take a day off or two. At least play great. So I went right back into the grind of just playing every day, uh, tons of hours, and just had, you know, I think four pretty deep runs in the last week here. So, um, yeah. You... And then, you know, with the with the World Series of Poker, just let me say this: with the World Series of Poker being on ESPN for about twelve days in a row of coverage,
4: mm-hmm.
6: um, I'm scheduled to hopefully. I want to play. But if, for whatever reason, I don't make it, I'll be in the commentary.
0: Oh, is that right?
6: Busy time. Yeah. Oh,
0: okay. Well, don't don't bank on that. We need you to play. I mean, 100 cash finishes in World Series of Poker events, 49 final tables. You brought up the bracelets, 14 bracelets. I, I think you should have gold rings. I think poker players should have gold rings because – you can stick them right in your opponent's face while you're playing. Like a, a football player having a gold ring doesn't make any sense. They're wearing gloves. They're not wearing gloves. You're not going to wear 14 bracelets to the table. You might wear 10 rings and then bring a prosthetic hand to rub it in the other four. But uh, am I right or am I crazy with
6: this? You're right. It's hugely impractical too uh, uh, to have, you know, we didn't have seven bracelets on each wrist. They don't even all fit. So. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah, that's crazy. Now, for those of you not familiar, and you should be, but Phil creates a huge psychological advantage by showing up late to the events. Uh, Phil, you miss, like, maybe the first dozen, sometimes more hands. You forfeit the vig, uh, the ante, rather, and and then you show up the most hated man at the table. When did this strategy of showing up late occur to you? Did it happen by accident? Did you oversleep one day?
6: Yeah, you know how this started was in the 90s. And, you know, I have some real, you know, sleep apnea I had and so still have. And, and, but then I didn't have a machine. Now I just have a machine at night, which is really great. I mean, really, you know, if you're snoring at night and listen to this podcast, you'll get checked. It's about 20% of the, of, of the humanity has sleep apnea. So right. anyway, I would be, it would be like, do I want to go in there exhausted at noon uh, and just kind of grind it out, even though I'm exhausted, or I want to, you know, get an extra two hours of sleep and come in. And then it just kept working, you know. I just kept, and then and I noticed advantages. Well, everybody else is two hours more tired than I am. Yeah. Uh, and those levels aren't really as important. So yeah, that's kind of started like that. And uh, it's rare that I'll ever show up on time for a tournament.
0: That's great. I love it. Yeah, it's cruel and unusual for these uh, tournament officials to expect you to make uh, a noon call time. I mean, really, what are they? What, what's wrong with these people?
6: <laughs> well, oh my God. So you know, I mean, I will say this as a poker player, especially during series now, never get up before one. Wow. I looked at the schedule. If I'm going to do any commentary, <laughs> they want us to look at nine a.m. and I'm like, man. I haven't seen nine him in a long
0: time. <laughs> now, but the one the one drawback though is you don't get to monitor the table as well as someone who was there from the start. Does that not matter to you? Do you feel like yeah, I'll, I'll whatever, however many hands I see, I'll be able to gauge the table, the players around me. Uh, I don't need the first hour or so to do that.
6: Yeah, yeah, that, that's like I mean, you know, I mean when I'm on and my instincts are really uh, clear when I'm. Blowing or flowing, whatever you want to call it,
4: mm-hmm.
6: it just seems like, you know, I'm just trusting my instincts. And and when they're right, it allows me to do things that other people can't do, that I can't, you know, so it vary from a, a mathematical strategy to, hey, it has it, or it doesn't have it. And, you know, poker's a very, uh, no limit hold'em is a very artful game, mm-hmm. and some people, some of the younger generations trying to use just pure math, man. you know, and I mean, you'll never be great if you can read people.
0: Right. Right. Now, you won the main event in 1989. And I, I, I just I actually went back and watched it. And how did they think ESPN or whoever was deciding to broadcast the events, how did they think it was an idea, a good idea to show poker when you couldn't see the hold cards. I mean, this is astounding to me. It's like it's like the whole uh, wheels on luggage thing. Like, yeah, why wasn't there always wheels on luggage? This <laughs> there shouldn't have any been any other way to deal this. But to not have the hold cards. I mean, you would go. You would go hours as a commentator. I'd see Gabe Kaplan's like, well, he could have an ace king, he could have a pair of nines. It's, it's all speculation, and you you might not ever see the cards if the guy folds at the end, right? You you only see the winning hand. Why did it take so long?
6: Well, I mean, you're right. It's it's very it's very poker's a lot slower, obviously. I think when you have somebody in the booth that's great at reading people, then you can really draw the audience in, as you're saying, because your your reads are going to be so accurate, you'll be like. I'm pretty sure he has this hand, and Hmm. that hand's revealed. I'm pretty sure he has that hand, and then that hand's revealed. Then it's more exciting. But you're right. It really is like night and day. And, you know, what happened with the whole cards, and it's only recently that I saw the first table ever created by a guy named Henry Ornstein, so he also invented Transformers. Hmm. And so he (laughs) spent... $650,000 $650,000 on a table in the nineties, you know? Wow. And, uh, I've seen the thing. It's all tricked out, gimmicked out. And, uh, and, you know, I didn't, I was not aware of that. I knew that he had, I didn't realize he'd spent so much money just on that one table. Yeah. It's kind of a cool looking thing, but it's like turning a light switch on for the world because Texas Hold'em is a very simple game. So we, we like to say, uh, no limit Hold'em, um, you know, it takes five minutes to learn but a lifetime to master. Right. And so the key thing is five minutes to learn. So all the people at home are like, Oh my God, that's what you're playing. So yeah. with no whole card cameras, you know, people aren't bothering learning the rules. With the whole card cameras, it's like, that's it. You just bet and move in and and so, you know, that simplicity of the game and then it just it really took off. Right. The light went on. Whole card cameras.
0: Did you now with the hold card cameras when the idea was presented? On the other hand, were you a little apprehensive in that? Well, I don't know if I could trust everyone who's behind this, and you know who knows who sees this ahead of time. Maybe it's not just for television, or were you all in? Were you like you know what this is what the this is what the game needs, and and let's just go forward with it?
6: I was uh, I was all in the first time the first time that we used hold card cameras was a was a was a show that they filmed in Cardiff, Wales, mm-hmm. called uh, Late Night Poker. And uh, and poker started to all of a sudden just take off and love. And so I went over there, uh, and I was just like, this is just going to be great for our game. Good. And I didn't know it would be that great. So, yeah, I was all in supporting it. There were a lot of the top professionals that were against it. Really? I really pushed hard. Said, well, they're like, oh, well, it took us like you know, 15, 20 years to have this proprietary information mm-hmm. how we play poker. And I was like, "Come on, man! I mean, you know, this could be the beginning of a nice explosion." And uh, yeah, so I, I was right away all
0: in. With it. Right now, so let me ask. So, okay, so it, you know, you weren't always the guy. Uh, you know, nowadays you see these pe- people are used to the cameras on them; they're getting massaged by beautiful ladies, and they're on TV for hours. <laughs> it wasn't always like that. Were you in some some? you know, basement games that you feared for your life? Or was it always, like, I knew you grew up in Wisconsin. You went to Madison, right? Um, were there scary yep. games there, or you just kind of, you made your move and it was kind of a, was it a, it was a nice transition?
6: Well, you know, Madison's not a very scary place, right? right. <laughs> <So> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I heard stories from, you know, Doyle Brunson about, you know, getting robbed. You saw people get shot at the table. You know, he has, you know, all these stories from, you know, the 70s in Texas, you know, where they'd be carrying around twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 in cash with them, you know, and people running them off the road, you know. Right. Uh, <laughs> people robbing the games and all this crazy stuff. In Madison, Wisconsin, you know, you just had to worry about whether somebody was going to pay you or not. Right, yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, it was pretty, pretty tame, you know, we'd, we'd play in houses and we'd, you know, and most of those games were not high stakes. Uh, we would occasionally have a high stakes game, but everybody there was known and trusted and didn't worry about whether they were going to play or not. And in those games, we'd end up with, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars 30000 which is, uh, or I should say more, you know, maybe up to $100,000 on the table.
0: That's pretty good. College, college kid in yeah, the 80s. Back in yeah. The 80s. Not bad. Not bad That's at all. That's right.
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, last year's winner of the main event took home eight million dollars. A few years ago, they made it ten million. They wanted the overall winner to have ten million. I'm a lot of people think that uh, we've plateaued with online play being maybe not as trustworthy as it once was in, in terms of uh, interest. I, I'm I'm of the uh, I'm of the idea that this is going to continue. I think people are always looking at their phones. They're always on their computers. I think we're due for another boom. What do you think?
6: Well, we always thought there would be a sonic boom and the Mm -hmm. sonic. So first we had the boom. And then what happened was the minute that folks got legalized in Italy, um, you know, they were expecting a drove of people to come out. Well, 10 droves came out. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden, same thing in France. So whenever it gets legalized in a country, the Internet sites just boom. It's like a sonic boom. So we've been expecting that for a while. Um, It's unfortunate that the government is you know we here we have a game of skill everybody knows it's a game of skill well most intelligent people know it's a game of skill right and um and and as you know we we need we need the lawmakers and it's just a great way for the government to make money as well right taxing poker
4: sure
6: so yeah and i do think it's going to get legalized um although if you would have bet me whether it was going to get legal or, or not by 2010, I would said of course. Mm-hmm. By 2013, of course. By 2016, of course. And so it's scary because you know, there's too much time is passing and, and nothing's happening on the legal front here.
0: It's funny. I was going to ask you, and I, I come up with fake props all the time, and one of them was I was going to ask you, the gambling on all four major sports legal in America, and I was going to put the over-under at 2024. Would you go over or under?
6: I'm going to go way under. Really, and the reason why is Adam Silver pushing involved from the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to, to have and in the NFL. You have to understand it with, in in my opinion and the opinion of the people that I've been hanging out with. You know, ESPN is losing droves and droves of people. Yeah, um, NFL, which has always publicly uh, been against sports betting, even though. They should know that, you know, there's a reason why when you have two bad teams playing on a Thursday night, there's so many people watching, you know. It's so there's hypocritical. There's a lot of betting going on. It,
0: it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. It's so yeah. hypocritical. Uh, you know, I did It a drives sp- me crazy. Yeah. I, I picked football games for ESPN, and they had me on really just to keep up with Fox. And uh and then, like, they, they cut me loose. And, like, I was good. I picked, like, 75%— my best bets. And I was like, Hey, why are you guys promoting this more? Like Yahoo is scooping you. And they're like, yeah, we kind of have to do this with a nod and a wink. We, uh, we pay $2 billion for the worst game of the week, the Monday night game. And, uh, we don't want, you know, we don't want anyone really to find out that we have, a, we're endorsing a gambler. And I was like, well, you just said it yourself. You pay for the worst game of the week. How much worse could it get for you? But yeah, they're really, they, they just want to dip their toe in. And I mean, I'm just talking football. You're right Adam Silver. Is a pro- proponent of uh, he's, he would legalize it. I think in a second, but I think as long as Goodell is in there, that's what worries me. I think
6: I think, but yeah. I think Goodell switched stances. I think he switched stances. Really, he's seen what's happening. I think that this is what we think. Yeah, and so I think it's going to be soon that betting is legalized.
0: Well, I mean, five years I think ago, all
6: the signs are there.
0: Yeah, he said, no, no, we will never have a team in Las Vegas, and we know that that's not the case. So, yeah, maybe he is softening a little. That would be good. That'd be
6: good. Well, that's the other thing, right? It's a big sign that legalization of, you know, sports betting is coming when you have all of a sudden a team in Vegas as well, right? Right.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And they're talking about having those monitors in the in the stadium, and the gambling commission uh, approved it. Now it has to go to Goodell, but where you could bet the live betting actually at your seat in the game. So that that would be obviously that would be crazy if uh, if they approved that. But yeah, I get goosebumps talking <laughs> about it. Um, uh, back to poker. I played in the main event in 2004. Actually, Phil Gordon coached me like my third day. Uh, I was like an hour away from being in the money. It's funny. I was getting I was getting vigged out, and then like during a break, I talked to Phil Gordon. He's like, you can't be afraid to lose. I was like, you know what? Screw it. He's right. And I went in all in, and I immediately lost. And like I said, I was an hour away from the money. But this was 2004. <laughs> it was the year after Moneymaker won. Um, did you hate the money makers of the world when they first came on, or did you see it as as easy money like or did you see you know that was the poker boom and this is gonna be good for you?
6: yeah, i never never hated it, never hated all the new entrants into the poker. I think it's just great for our game, and mm-hmm. you know i mean how how could i i mean, you know the effects of that you know i mean i wrote I released my book in two thousand and three play poker like the pros and hit the New York times bestseller list, you know, all of a sudden, you know, and I had a lifetime goal of writing a New York times bestseller, but I didn't think it was going to be that book. And so play poker, like the pros hits the bestseller list. I'm getting paid millions of dollars for all these endorsements. And so, you know, we went from kind of grinding, you know, and, and making our living just playing poker to all kinds of sponsorships. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's pretty exciting. Um, so, yeah, no, and I realized, of course, that that direct correlation between all these tons of new people getting into the game, you know, from sponsorship. So, no, right. I had never, I like
0: it. Right. And it, it went from, I think, 800 entrants before Moneymaker to 2,500 the year after he won. Now it's close to 7,000. It's really, it's really a spectacular leap. Um, you've you've uh, dabbled in heads up championships. In 2005, you won that. Do you enjoy the heads up?
6: You know, as I as I look back now, I had my schedules written out, and I was working like 320 days a year. Wow, it was ridiculous. Um, You know, I was representing UltimateBet.com, and we were, uh, and I was just filming stuff every day, and I was just doing blogs, and it was crazy. And I didn't realize I'd forgotten that I was working that hard. And so when I went back and looked. Um, you know, one of the things that occurred to me was uh, 2005. I was mm-hmm. really mad because I'm like, God dang it all! We have to play that freaking heads up thing. I mean, I have <laughs> to fly to Vegas one of the weekend with my wife and kids. You know, right? Flew in and just how to play that. Because everybody else had been practicing playing each other heads up.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: I saw the odds, and the odds were I was not some big favorite. I was like the odd sheet. Of her, I was like, and I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? I mean, I've won like. Ten world championships and hold them, and no one else has more than one, right. or two or something. So I was pissed off and felt disrespected, <laughs> and you know that. So there was a little chip on my shoulder heading into that one. And then when I saw the production, I was like, "Oh my god, this is a big thing. This is NBC, mm-hmm. and uh, and they did such a terrific job." So then, so I was excited with a chip on my shoulder. You know, I remember won my first match, won my second match, won my third match, and then I think I started playing some great players at that point. Yeah, and I just kind of cruised through that one. It was really uh, until the finals, you know, where um, I'd be I was heads up against Chris Ferguson, beat him the first match, and then I had him all in, drawing dead on the third hand, and I was just celebrating in my mind because he needed a nine or deuce, and there's you know two nines and two deuces and. You know, I was getting ready to stand up. And mm-hmm. as they're turning the card, I'm going to stand, throw my fists in the air. I just won the NBC Heads Up Championships mm-hmm. three in the morning on a Sunday. It's grueling. As I'm going up, they turn a nine and he makes a full house. Uh. And I reroute from up to just left mm. and just fell on the floor. And so there I am just on the floor with my fists over my head. <laughs> you know, it's great drama. I mean, you can go to YouTube and, and you know, just Google Phil so many NBC Heads Up Championship 2005, I think. And,
0: and normally you and would and berate, so you would berate the, the player, but it's Jesus. It's Chris Ferguson's Jesus. So you probably want to back off, right, from the curse words.
6: <laughs> He's such a nice guy. He's such yeah. a good guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I couldn't believe that I managed to get all that money and in such a good spot. I was so happy the way I played it
4: mm-hmm.
6: and it just looked like it was going to be over and then he won that match and then and then another and then another weird hand left. I was on. I think I had five or six and he had deuces and it came a six and in the river he needed a deuce and only a deuce and uh, the deuce hit but this time I was ready for it this time I was like I mean you're you're really ready for a 20 to one shot yeah and uh, but I was in my mind I'm like this is not over You know, I wasn't celebrating early or anything. He hit his deuce, and the place just exploded, you know, screaming and yelling, everybody going crazy. I just sat there super calm, pounded his chips down. And so right now, what are you going to do? You're going to just keep playing great. That's what you're going
0: to do. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I I don't even know how you do it because the heads-up is exhausting. Obviously, you can't take a hand or two or three off like you can uh, with a table of nine players, but – um, yeah, you did win. That was best of three, right, against Ferguson? Is that how it worked?
6: Yeah, but the finals, only the finals was best of three.
0: Oh, I see. Right.
6: Who and you then s- the last one was 2013, and I, I faced Mike Manasso heads up. You know, everybody was talking about how all that people in poker are done. Uh, Everybody's south poker mathematically, and all the kids are like, we're the best, we're the best. And there was like, you know, I don't know, 55 kids, and... You know, maybe nine of us that were older, mm. and uh, it came down to Mike and I—a classic match. And again, best of three went to the third match. That one, unfortunately, I lost.
0: Yeah. Now you say I know you're friends with Mike Madixal. You like you said you like Chris Ferguson, nice guy. Uh, Daniel Negrano read uh, wrote the forward to your book. Who do you like beating the most? There, there's got to be guys out there that you you're just you're done with by now, right?
6: There's, I wouldn't say that I ever take pleasure in beating anybody in particular, but you know, as an only, there's sometimes people that seem to have your number, mm-hmm. you know? and so it's freaky, um, how one person just continues to beat you and beat you, and Tony S. Fendi Ali, you know, has had a really amazing long streak of beating me. Right. It's only recently that I finally turned it around, and I did beat him in the. 2005 NBC heads up, but other than that, so you know, somebody like Antonio the Magician is, you know, it's, it's probably feels a little bit better to beat him in spots. Yeah. Uh, again, a nice guy. Um, but yeah, so for me, I, I kind of want to beat the guys that have been beating me for whatever reason.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think you're holding back on me. There's got to be some bad blood. They, these, these are not uh, above the board, <laughs> fellas. All of them, <laughs> I can tell. But uh, I understand. Well,
2: yeah, <laughs> well,
6: yeah there. I mean, you know, I mean, generally speaking, uh, the poker players are pretty good people. I'll say that. Okay. And so, yeah, we have we have our outliers. That, you know, we're, we're probably not proud of. Right. But for me personally, I've spent a lot of time trying to bring the poker world together. Mm-hmm. I went to. You know, all the other champions and said, hey, if Nike gives me a shoe, you shouldn't be insulting it. You should be celebrating it because that means three bucks coming to give you a shoe. Right. Unfortunately, we don't have shoe deals, but <laughs> maybe someday. <laughs> and so, you know, I was trying to bring people together in the poker world from the start rooting for each other to get great deals yeah. um, because they spread.
0: Yeah. It's funny you bring up the Nike shoe deal. You burned your pair of shoes, your own shoes in the parking lot, right? A couple of weeks ago. Was that, what was that about? You're trying to get back on track?
6: Well, it was just something fun. I mean, you know, I <laughs> I'd really, really gotten unlucky um, on a particularly $300,000 buying tournament. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the hands that happened to me were just beyond. They were just really scary, unlucky. And then wore those shoes again and just had some really unlucky hands come up. So I thought, I, I thought you know what? This is kind of good press and it'll be fun. I'm going to burn <laughs> this brand new gold pair of shoes. And I brought seven pair of gold shoes with me. Wow. And I said, I'm going to burn them and it's, it's going to go viral and it's going to be fun. <laughs> and I called my, uh, my, one of the guys who's, I call him a spiritual guru. He's like, I'm like, can I burn them? He's like, absolutely it's good for you. You know, it's releasing the bad spirits or something like that. I'm like, all right, I'm on And <laughs> My dad said the same thing, burn them. So, you know, I went ahead and it was, uh, it was kind of wacky.
0: Um, do you even have to add, do you even have to add gasoline to, to burn them in the, in the summer in a parking lot of a casino in Vegas? Or could you just uh, put them in the dumpster and the, the sun takes care of it?
6: Yeah, that's a good point. No, we, uh, I went and, uh, I had somebody, you know, I stay at the Aria Hotel, Mm -hmm. and I called some of the Bell people and said, hey, listen, can you go buy me something like a little, you know, something made of metal that I can burn shoes in, and some lighter fluid and some matches. Right. And so they went and bought that stuff for me, and then... Yeah, you know, I called the Rio and I said, "Hey, I'm going to burn these in the parking lot. I don't want to be banned. I don't want you to take away my pink spots and yeah. all my perks." You know, <laughs> is it okay? I got kind of the soft permission. I think th- to uh, 1989,
0: you know. Phil Hellmuth wouldn't have asked permission. I don't think, right, <laughs> <Just one.
6: laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe not. But that's a close one. You just don't want to like you just don't want to cross line right, with the security in these casinos, and so and so yeah, and so you know. And I just, I was kind of assured that it would be okay unofficially. Mm-hmm. No one's going to bother you and you're not going to lose your parking spot. That's smart. And then yeah. it, it happened to be right near a place where Daniel Legrani, a real kid poker, was and some other guys. <laughs> and I, I, I called a few guys and said, hey, I'm doing it on here. In, in 40 minutes over here and a bunch of guys came over. and That's good. It.
0: That's funny. Now all right, let's make some money off of this. Now I know you probably it's it's a it's weird for you to bet on this, but make me some money. They have props for the old for the uh, World Series of Poker Main event. And for the most part these odds are garbage when you're talking about 7 8,000 uh competitors and you're getting right. 65 to 1 for Daniel Negreanu for you know to come in first and he's the lead guy and Phil Ivey's right behind him at 70. Do you want to guess what what you are?
6: Uh, well, you say he's the weak guy. Um, and you know, and and there's a reason McGrath was the weak guy, and that's that he he had a great run two years ago, made it all the way down to 10th place, and ninth place would have been amazing. Right. So for him, the bubble was just yeah, painful. I'm sure it was the most painful bubble of his life. I saw him on the stage lying down, cringing, and that's not his style to do that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean. I realized, you know, how painful it was for him. Right. So that's why he's. I don't know. What do they have me at? Eighty to one.
0: Well, they have you at one hundred twenty-five. It doesn't really matter after a while with these, these dumb numbers. Like I said, they're so they're so low compared to what they really should be. But uh, even though you guys yeah. you are the best players in the world, I'm I'm going to take a flyer on you at one hundred twenty-five to one, though. I think uh, I think that's. I I wouldn't mind uh, put money on you there. Now, let I think me that's ask, a good bet. you. Like it? All right, good. I like the confidence. I like
6: it because. I like it. You know, I mean one thing one thing that I really like that I really love the chances to make the money. Now, that's fifteen percent
4: mm-hmm.
6: of the people are gonna make the money. So if you know, and there's a lot of skill. We have very, very, very this is the most skilled tournament in the world.
4: Right.
6: And, you know, and and most of the pros are really tired by this time this comes around. I mean, we've all been here six, eight weeks when this event comes, the main event. Yeah, sure. But if you're really sharp, you know, you have a really good chance. Just by playing great focus, make the final fifteen percent. And then from there, who knows?
0: Yeah. All right, let me ask you this. Uh, over under age of the winner, I'm gonna have you guess what they have it at.
6: I'm gonna say thirty
0: two. Oh wow. Okay. So you would go you would go over here. They have it at twenty six and a half. The over is minus one forty. Oh god. So you would say over. I, I think 26 the twenty six and a half. I think the over has come in like three out of the last five years or something. I'd have to check that, but yeah. Um winners I would definitely go over. It would go over. Okay. Winners country, USA minus one hundred seventy five. Three of the last five years uh, an American has won. Do you like that? Or it's a coin toss. I do like
6: I do like USA for the win amount.
0: Okay. Yep. All right. Number of Americans at the final table over under five and a half.
6: I would probably go under.
0: Under, um, okay.
6: Yeah, yeah, because I mean, there's such a global presence here.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: You know, and so so although I would bet an American to win it.
0: Okay. Um, so American, sure. wins, American wins over 26 and a half for the age of the winner, but under uh, 5 yep. and a half, um, for the final table for Americans. And uh, we like Phil at 125 to 1 odds. Now let me ask you, this is not something you could bet on just – uh I have it out there, over under two thousand thirty two before a female wins the main event. Oh,
6: I'm going to stay away from that. That that question's too loaded. Okay, I'm gonna all right, good.
0: See, so you're smart. See, with the burning of the shoes, he asks for permission. He doesn't answer the girl question. You really, <laughs> you're really smartening up, Phil Helmuth. I can't catch you.
6: Yeah, I can't. <laughs> I can't piss my wife
0: off. This is a stupid one. This is, actually, you can bet on it. I just. Caught, caught my eye. This is such a coin flip, though. Uh, winning hand at final table, two pair and higher or one pair or lower?
6: Definitely one pair or lower.
0: Really? Okay. That's the underdog yep. between the two. All right. So you're saying there's a bluff it's just, in there?
6: It just, just so happens so often where, you know, someone's on the face clean and the other guy has nine when their head's up.
0: I love that. Okay. And then it's,
6: you know, can a guy hit an a queen or not, you know? That's plus 110.
0: Excellent. And now I'm, I heard from a mutual friend of ours that you bet on everything. And I know how you guys are. You, there's, a, there's a lot of downtime. There's a lot of side action going. What, what are some of the weirder odder wages, uh, wages you've made over the years?
6: Yeah, we've had, we've had some crazy bets. I once, uh, I, once, I once bet Huck Seed. I gave him, we had a golf match, and he'd never played before. He had one a week to prepare. Mm-hmm. I gave him 40 shots over 18 holes for $1,000 a shot. So if he somehow shot the same score as I did, I'd lose $40,000. Wow. I I played 18 like a dog that day. (laughs) You know, managed to like almost hit it out of bounds, you know. I think that was just, that was kind of a fun one. Um, I lost a little bit on that. Right. We we bet $10,000 on speed skating races. Just some fun stuff that, you know, there's a lot of, in poker, there's a lot of people that are betting on weight bets. Because you know, there's a, there's the incentive to lose some pounds. I don't do weight bets, it's too life controlling for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of my i is say my favorite bet of the year. So, and and this one I've been hitting every year for I love the NFL futures.
4: Oh yeah. And
6: I've been so hot. I mean, like I like it was a few years ago that uh, Denver had just gotten Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was supposed to have, and, and the, I think the over/under was eight and a half or something or eight. For wins, like, well, yeah. If he's healthy, yeah, that last year. I had the Giants. Yeah. I just figured they have a heck of a team, and I felt like I feel like you know, there were some mistakes that, that cost the Giants two or three wins. Mm-hmm. I bet they on that, uh, and they smashed. And I think, man, they started eight and one. I think the the number was eight again. So right. they might have been nine and two. by week
0: eleven. All right, we're gonna have so to those have, are fun to Yeah, NFL we're gonna have features. to have a long talk in August about uh, some of these futures because I'm I'm all about that. I know, like Phil Ivey. Well, I'm having, yeah, that's a crazy amount on on football too. I'm heard, but yeah, it's a lot, lot of fun to be had in football.
6: I'm having fun. I'm having fun doing the show. We'll have to i um, you. I'll have to just give you my number and come on. For sure. It's
0: fun. And the, listen, thank you for coming on. It's it's been a, a lifelong dream. I know it sounds crazy, but I I, uh, I I took to you immediately. I like your swagger, and it's uh it's a lot of fun watching you over the years. Do you want to plug the book Poker Brat? Now that's you should you did a great thing with this uh, Poker Brat. Uh, you you want to tell people like the the nice little bonus that most books don't have that Poker Brat did. <laughs>
6: Yeah, that's really fun. So we have, so, you know, I play poker with, I call it the Masters of the Universe poker game. And I Mm -hmm. talk about it in the book. We play 100, 200, no limit in Northern California with a bunch of the really big ballers. And and one of the guys at the table, um, they're all marketing geniuses too. And he's like, hey, you know, you really ought to just give away some golden tickets in your book. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? (laughs) And so we decided to give away eight golden tickets. So that means they're randomly distributing the first whatever, 20,000 copies. So, I mean, it's not a high probability you win, but it's fun. And so if you hit the golden ticket, it's worth worth a – you you get to go to the Ari Hotel uh, where we'll have a Kemosabe Mezcal party (laughs) for you after – you know, promote, promote, promote Moscow. Yeah. And after, and then it's a thousand dollar buy-in. So, so basically, those eight people get to come to Vegas and sit down with a thousand dollars and chips, and play with me. And yeah. you know, if anybody's super conservative, they just say, "Hey, I don't want to play for long. I just want to get the money off the table." Right. That would be okay too. But it's kind of fun. You
0: know, yeah, that's a golden ticket. There. I love it. That's such a great gimmick. But I, I think it should go the other way, too. You should have a brown ticket as well. And if people get that, they have to buy three extra copies of the book. I mean, it can't be all, all <laughs> positive, right? <laughs> Something like that. I like that. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. thanks so much, Phil. I appreciate you coming on. Phil Helmy, you could see him, at the World Series of Poker, the main event. Put some money down on him, 125 to 1. He guarantees victory, right? Something like that?
6: I'm good that
0: all right. Thanks so much, Phil.
6: Cousin Sal, great.
0: Take care a lot buddy. of fun being on your show. I'll do this again. All right. That does it for another episode of Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. If you have a wild gambling story you feel will make you eligible for our degenerate gambler hall of fame, or you want to introduce us to a fake prop, or you just want to drop us an email and say hi, send it to cousin Sal all odds, at gmail.com. You can hit me at Twitter at the Cousin Sal. For the Degenerate Trifecta and Phil Helmuth, I'm Cousin Sal saying happy handicapping. Nah, nah, nah. Thanks again to Hotel Tonight for sponsoring today's podcast. Things change. The weather changes. Your mood definitely changes. So why lock yourself into plans that might change? With Hotel Tonight, you don't have to because you'll get incredible deals on awesome hotels, even at the last minute. Booking on Hotel Tonight gives you the freedom and flexibility to play things by ear while knowing you'll score a great price and a great place to stay. So download the Hotel Tonight app to find seriously amazing deals now.